Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we're going through every episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, except this is not one of those episodes, though those episodes are part of what we do. This one we're just going through voicemails because we haven't done voicemails in a long time and you all have great things to say. So yeah, my name is Wade Bowen. Uh, James Nolan and Hugh Crawford will be coming on here in a minute, but you know, I'm just talking out. I'm, I'm just talking at the up front, and we'll just go straight into going over your voicemails and what y'all have to say about stuff. All right, bye. Um, we got another here from Greg from North Carolina on uh, Rapture. They just fresh one. Oh, that was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was I held the universe in my arms like a little baby. Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina here to Rapture Rant. James throughout the episode is harping about, oh, well, he's talking with a prophet, so it's okay. Why can't Starfleet understand it? Except here's the thing. He's not talking to the prophets. He's getting vague ideas from somewhere that is probably the prophets, but it's not following the established format of the prophets actually directly speaking to somebody. An emissary? You get sepia tones, people who look like people that uh, Cisco knows, talking to him. Happens again in profit motive. When Quark goes through, so we know it's not just Cisco, gets sepia tones, people that he knows, that, uh, talking to him as prophets. Happens again in the episode where the other guy is saying that he's the emissary. They both go in, they both see it, and it's direct conversation. Happens again in a later episode after Rapture that I'm not going to spoil. Prophets talk directly to him. Throughout, it's something where he is in complete control of his faculties, and can act however you want, versus Rapture, where he is, in fact, acting blissed out of his head. And it turns out the Admiral's fears about how Cisco is acting are justified, because the whole time he's going, hey, you're acting weird, we've got to get Bajor in, we just got to finish the ceremony, don't screw it up by being weird. And then what does Cisco do? Come to the last meeting going, Lucas will destroy Bajor, they must stand alone. Completely tanks the proceedings, even if later on he goes, no, oh, no, he'll they'll, they'll join eventually. I'm sure of it. As both the emissary and the officer, I'm sure of it. But he completely tanks it in the moment. So certainly is justified in Which this very episode Bezor. for being nervous about how Cisco is acting in this moment <laughs> because he's not having direct conversations where he can go, here's my report on what the prophet said to me and what I said to them. He's going, I've got a vision from on high which is far more religious than they want to be when dealing with the known wormhole aliens. That's it. Have a good day. Okay, let me lay out my case here. Cracking my knuckles. All right, on this one. First off, we are seeing, in all of the other times that we've seen the prophets, we've seen them from a first person's perspective, an internal brain mental perspective. On this kind, we're only being seen, Cisco, from outside the perspective. Also, clearly, this is a new way that they're choosing to talk to. And all of that stuff is is in there. Also, I still believe that if this had happened to Riker or Jordy or Spock, they would have came in and said, wait, wait, hold on, guys. He's acting weird because he's being in communication with some alien that we know a little bit about. Let's try to like like deal with it in a scientific way. Is it, but him destroying the proceedings directly saves... I mean, this is yeah. spoiler territory, but it directly saves okay, Bajor. Bajor would have been annihilated. This is true. This if he is true. Didn't do that. But one, like you said, that spoilers. Starfleet doesn't know that. Here's here's my counter. But Cisco does. Cisco knows it. So I mean, you're right. And the episode shows that it's not 
Ogre, he's not fucking up. He saves Bejar. We can agree on that. But here's the thing. It's not that they went through the wormhole to talk to these aliens. He got shocked by a console that wasn't grounded. Mm-hmm. And so that's not quite the same thing as an alien interaction. We have to take for granted that his contact with the prophets before set him up to that this is a thing that happens. But, and, I mean, a high-ranking official inside the Federation is saying that uh, he's in contact with the <laughs> wormhole uh, aliens. You mean... So I mean maybe but, Cisco is, but he's but so maybe give him give him the benefit act, of the okay, doubt. Here's here. the other thing: Starfleet is a military organization. He is mm-hmm. like much a, to the detriment of the show. Yes. yes, don't jump on me for saying this. He's acting like a blissed out of his mind, and he's disobeying direct orders from a superior officer. Mm-hmm. Even even Picard. Or even if it were uh, Riker, they are supposed to act with a certain amount of protocol, and there's a way that Starfleet is supposed to operate that he's not operating yeah. in. I mean, I, I mean, they have to. They have their duty. If they, unless if they're, not they're able, inter- unless they're being, you know, Cisco was not able to do his fundamental duty. He didn't show up to greet the admiral when he got off the station. Basic, basic yeah, yeah. shit. I mean, so. Yeah, no, I got it. But you, but James is James James is con- because he's like, enraptured. Nitpicky problem with this episode is legit as far as I'm concerned. I'm on the side of like somebody at some point should have come at it with a, at a scientific angle, and had at least a few lines to solve this problem. It could have been solved and kept everything else. Everybody, the and it, the admiral could have still had to stick up his butt about Cisco, but there should have been a few lines in there somewhere that could have hand waved these. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I, I agree with him right. on that. I mean, I, but I'm it, understanding what's going on. To you. I know I understand what's going on with you, Ben, and I want to help you out, and I want to, and I want, and I want to know what you're seeing so that you can communicate with me. But you're acting, but you got to give me something. This is like trying my patience. You can say that kind of stuff where he is, where you show his irritation, right? But you keep, but he he comes in. He's an admiral here for a big, huge, important thing. He shows up on the station, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Where's my captain at?" Oh, he went down to the planet. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then he gets down to the planet, and the guy's like, "Okay, I need you back up there." And he'll be like, oh, "I'll be there tomorrow." It's like, I I gave you an order. You need to be up there. Okay, fine. And then he's gracious enough to say, "Okay, okay." All right, fine. I'll give you some more I don't, time. I guess I don't understand how the wormhole, because he did have a good point about you know the, the previous times a wormhole alien to had contact that they were inside the wormhole. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't understand how the the wormhole aliens mm-hmm. who who do not understand or who experience time differently than the rest of us can exert their will outside of the wormhole. I guess. Like I don't understand with, how that works. Normally, it's through, I guess, the orbs. Sure. Because those are like little pieces, and through, it's weird to call them prophets because they're the prophets through their, you know, like people that are emissaries. Writing. Yeah, yeah, they're but having, the, I guess, you know, well, in their par far. You they know, just seem. They are. just seem like indifferent and aloof aliens when we're when we actually deal with them, and they're treated yeah. like like a gods who have a plan for everybody's life that they should right. just follow accordingly. You know, and, right. and there's, I think, it, it's just hard to reconcile. It's that they're just, they're basically their their plot devices there to talk about a religious 
issues that they want to talk about. Uh, and I do think that it goes, I mean, obviously it goes way further behind, beyond that. But yeah. yes, I think at this point, that's what it is. But, and they wanted to do a yeah. religious episode where, but I do, I just, it's just, it's one of those things where it just keeps like they're, why, it's one of those things that constantly irritate me. It irritates me about a, like a it, lot of. It, 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 this irritates me too. Is when people have information but don't make the immediate connections that I make. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. like they have all of the tools. Why aren't they making these connections? Yeah. That was always an issue on lost. I was like, all of these people know these things. Why aren't they asking the same questions that I'm asking and that everybody else well, is asking? Some, some people when given the same evidence come to different conclusions. It's not about a conclusion. They're not asking, asking the question. Well, sometimes they ask different questions. Like, why are you acting crazy? And, you know, I don't know. But it seems like that's ignoring the evidence that you have been given. He's acting crazy because he's an interdicted of but, but we don't, but there's no, like, as the, the person to me, like, if I, if I saw that he went through the wormhole or something or that I saw a beam, we got some energy that came from somewhere, but... The explanation that we have from the medical officer is just it's a plasma surge, and it's a thing that we know that— So are we to believe that the prophets were chilling in their wormhole and then sent a plasma surge to fundamentally change Cisco's brain so they can re so he could receive messages exact, from them? Exactly. Or that they set that in motion or they knew it was going to happen because they're outside of time. Yes, yes. And so that, so that they— so Because that's them being extremely proactive— Whenever and whenever and whenever you know what the the, the prophets act like, yeah. In in when they're in the wormhole, they act like Dave Chappelle's version of Prince. Whenever they're, <laughs> they're like, that's what they act. They're strange <laughs> and aloof, and they're like completely indifferent as to like, oh, you're here, okay. <laughs> you know, they're just like games blouses. Yes, blouses, and and so. <laughs> But All these these wormhole aliens. When you when you meet them, when you're in the wormhole, when you're in their house playing basketball and having pancakes, they're completely <laughs> weird and aloof. So the idea that they would do anything proactive is is weird and contradictory, I guess. But well, but they also, I mean, they've done that. They've they they settled the dispute between the two well, emissaries. Like I mean, like they do pro they do proactive. Things. Let's keep the let's keep the prince yeah. analogy. Prince is a pretty aloof guy, you know, and he's like, oh, what is Prince? But do you know what Prince was secretly doing? He's putting through kids through college. He was giving money to communities, and he didn't tell anybody about it. <laughs> he was he was taking all the fentanyl off the streets. Well, he was doing that, too, but he was also <laughs> donating a lot of, he was doing a lot of, like, charity work that nobody knew no, about. No, Prince is great. Yeah. Okay, so to understand the prophets, it's best to understand, like, try to understand Prince first. I think that's, I think I think this that's is, right. I think this is the key. This is the key to me enjoying the show for the Probably. rest of the. <laughs> but also, I distinctly think that, and I've not read that they mentioned this, but I think that they have the first, sure. the rest of the season plotted out, and I think this shows that. That yes, it is very key that Bajor didn't join the Federation for a very distinct reason. Uh, so they clearly have it plotted out because you know he's like drops names drops the Dominion War. The Dominion yeah. War. But I mean uh, to plot it out all the way to know that where Bajor fits yeah, into yeah, it yeah. and everything. So I, I think that that obviously they're doing some setup work here. <laughs> yep. Um, I think the Prince analogy is the one we go with like to understand. Yeah. And and just like Prince had a fentanyl problem, 
Cisco is acting high in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I just, I mean, that's just the way, like, I don't know. It just seems like that's the way a lot of people act when they're playing religious rap, you know, whatever. So, all right. What else we got? Do we think Avery Brooks ever did cocaine? I bet he in the eighties, he, when he was on um, Remington Steel, he, he was playing Hawk Spencer yeah. for Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, was, it's Spen- no, it, it is Spencer, Spencer for, Hire. for Hire. or was it Remington Steel? It's Airwolf. Right? It's the Airwolf, same right? fucking show. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Blue Steel. No, it was the, Blue yeah. Steel. Wasn't that the other? Air- there was Air. <laughs> yes, Airwolf. Airwolf. Which one had Jan Michael Vincent? I, I, I only. Th- okay. I just. The star of Airwolf yes. was that helicopter man. <laughs> yeah. That's all I remember about it. Uh, I literally only know Jan Michael Vincent from Airwolf and from the bowling scene <laughs> in Buffalo 66. Right. I don't, yeah. Yeah, we've, I've probably watched Buffalo 66 three times and all three times with James. I love Buffalo 66 so much. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched it. <laughs> but. I will say about Cisco's overacting and and Rapture. What? There's a no. I'm I'm saying I'm about to say something nice. Don't don't, don't calm down. <laughs> <laughs> call out culture, right. motherfucker. I'm, I'm for a we we called it out as overacting before, but I will say there's a certain when he gets like emotional. There's a certain femininity to his performance that I think is actually kind of interesting. I don't think I've ever called him overacting. I think you, I think I've, I've always like, I, I think out of all of us, I think, I think that, that, yeah, <laughs> that he's been pitch perfect this entire, like from start to okay, finish. Well, I don't think Avery Brooks has ever had a bad acting choice ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Well, you, you do, you realize you might not be in the majority. But I'm, opinion, I, right? I realize that I, I am, I am alone in that. I know that, <laughs> but I personally—it's my personal belief that he has never had an acting misstep on Deep Space Nine. But when he's doing, when he, when he's, he's having his day, you took it away. Like there's a certain, and I say, I mean this as a compliment. Like uh, he's not afraid to be vulnerable. Like and the and no, no, no. and it's a high pitched, like almost feminine voice he's using, and I think that's actually mm. powerful. I think that's awesome. That yeah, it's a tool in a like, toolbox. He's in the moment. He's always in the moment. That's the thing about Avery Brooks is he's always in yeah. the moment. Like, he's yeah, it's not the, it's not always the most naturalistic moment. But hey, as a guy that was in a play called Terotica where I was doing a bunch of crazy naked stuff, <laughs> I don't I don't believe I don't believe all acting needs to be naturalistic. There you go. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like Shakespeare. You know, no, no, that's not. Well, whatever. Uh, to make Star Trek creator's favorite analogy. Avery Brooks would have been great in Twin Peaks or any David yeah. Lynch thing. I bet he would hate. No, no one hates being on set with David Lynch, do they? Everyone yeah. likes well, him. I don't know. Does David Lynch ever put black people in his movies? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a super good yeah. point. He likes to put Nazi imagery in there, but he doesn't want to put black people. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sire. Sire. <laughs> oh, sire. I'm, I'm scared of him. I don't know. Sire. Yes, Sire. We're going to get everybody off the spice loader. <laughs> Holy fuck, you're right. I can't think of a thing. I mean, yeah. there's probably I one. Know. Just absolutely. It's got a problem. That's, yeah, it's like, come on. 
Come on, David. Well, on the other, I mean, I he's playing with the his themes and stuff and whatever. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I mean, he's got such a very particular niche. I, I don't want to see him try to do like an urban drama. <laughs> sure, Come, it, it I don't want to see him go the Gus, the Gus Van Zant, yeah. yeah, like route. But yeah, that is kind of yeah. weird. But I guess. Yeah, I'm just saying, there's no black people, and he likes Nazi imagery to show up sometimes. I don't get the I don't no, get the I mean, Nazi. I'm just I'm just, I'm just I'm just talking shit. I, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like I was like, am I missing well, something? Well, I mean, Dune, I? the uniforms in Dune, right? You brought that. You're the one that pointed. Well, yeah, you pointed that out to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they're a little Nazi, but I think he's having yeah, fun yeah. there. I I, I don't. Uh, let me just get it out here and say it before anybody jumps to conclusions. I don't think David Lynch is a Nazi. Uh, no. Or, or racist. I don't, I don't know. know. He, I can't make a, a call on that. He's got a niche. Yeah, yeah. You don't never know, but like it. he's got a niche that I'm willing to Yeah. I wonder if his sets are, though. That would be yeah. damning. I don't, well, if he's using... Uh, inclusion right? Yeah. <laughs> inclusion well, writer, if he's shooting them in Lynch. Poland, like in the, in the Empire, I, there's probably... There's, He's using, he's using uh, Showtime. Right, right so yeah, who knows? But anyways, that's a whole other thing. Podcasts of our uninformed opinions about David Lynch's racism. Um, no, or like they're... I'm looking, though. I'm on, I'm on the hunt. All right. right. Well, we've wrecked James Moving for the rest on. of this episode, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe I can pull you back. Yeah, you, guys, our fi- you can keep going. Keep, keep going. We got, I can, we I got can something here from IDB. Twiggy. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, yes. it's been. He's a little bit behind, but I believe he got us a white album. Long delayed. Ah, yes, I love these. All right. Hey guys, Twiggy here. I've got my uh, season four white album, which is very, very late. But um, anyway, I've got um, the Way of the Warrior Part One and Two, Homefront, Paradise Lost. A session for the cause, broken link, and that is it. I think this is a season that has a lot of good episodes, but a lot of those episodes don't really move the ball uh, down the field, as, as we like to say. Um, I had a short list of other episodes that I could have put in, and like, fuck, my thing only goes for like one, two, three, for like six episodes, so I could easily fit most of these in, but I just don't think that I need them. You got the visitor. Hippocratic Oath, Indiscretion, Rejoin, Crossfire, Bar Association, To the Death. Um, I thought To the Death, I definitely could have made a case for putting in there. <clears throat> Sorry, because, you know, it helps with the whole Jim Hadar uh, side of it. And I did really think about Crossfire as well, because it moves forward the um, Odo and Kira relationship. But at the end of the day, they're not really integral. I suppose maybe Crossfire is, but the storyline that I've already set up through the previous three White Albums has been all about Jem'Hadar, the Changelings, and uh, to a lesser extent, I've been sprinkling in a lot of Marquee stuff, which is why For the Cause is in there. Um, but yeah, I know, I reckon you can make this a really concise, uh, short program. Um, yeah, happy days. Huh. Uh, y'all remember season four? I'm a little fussy. <laughs> no, I remember it. He cuts it to the yeah, bone. Right. It's like a white EP, really. Like a, that's an interesting thing. No, I, I think he cut. I think he he cut some good things there. Like oh yeah, yeah. Opinion. Well, the, like the visitor and uh, etc. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Mm. As always, he he always unsentimental he, choices. Like he, he, <laughs> he yeah he executes he he can execute is what I'm saying that like he can really execute his lists. Yes. Yes. Like he is so sh- yeah. like sure sure handed with his execution of his white albums. Yes, yes, yeah, He's, uh, and and I and for the most part, I, I I find myself moved by them. I think that yeah, yeah, I can't. I mean, uh, it's a short win, but I can't argue with your choices there. So far, it's a paltry list, but Richard Pryor is in Lost Highway, and Calvin Lockhart is in both Wild at Heart and uh, Twin Peaks. Okay, so all right, that's all I got. <laughs> Well, it's something. Sire. Uh, and it was like Richard Pryor. Sire. Yeah, sire. sire, remember that time sire. you lit yourself on fire from crack? <laughs> I guess it was it was Richard Pryor. Yeah, that, that was old Richard Pryor, too, right? Yeah, it was it was Richard Pryor in a wheelchair. It was after he yeah. had the, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not weird enough for me to put in one of my movies. Until then... you get, yeah. It was a little bit of a stunt casting. Uh, David yeah. Foster Wallace compares it to when... Um, John Waters casts uh, I don't, I don't, Patty Hearst. Dave, David Lynch is so yesterday. My favorite David Lynch is Donald Glover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need that. Yes, I, I gotta that, catch up I, on Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 both behind in Atlanta, but I will catch up. Yeah, me too. I promise. <laughs> All right, let's get into some voicemails. All right, first off, got thing here from Warren. From Seattle. Yep, yep. Okay, fellas. Warren from Seattle back one more time about Dr. Bashir. So I know I've uh, made a couple of uh, references to my to my long gestating uh, Bashir defense as it concerns this episode, Dr. Bashir, I presume. Still can't say that episode, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, yes, Dr. Bashir, I presume. We find out that he is an enhanced individual and that he had been hiding this secret for um, the majority of his life, you know, once his procedure took place in the adolescence or whatever it was. Could it not be that the sex-free, immature, sort of uh, scattered, uh, for lighter term, fuckboy, that he was fully up to this point through, the, especially the first couple of seasons, was all a cover for the fact that he was an enhanced individual? and that he was overcompensating by being especially obnoxious, not a very good doctor, and overall just kind of a shitty person. Um, I, I don't necessarily buy into that level of shittiness, as, as you guys do, as you guys know, but I, I will concede. And, and to you, to your credit, you have brought me around a little bit on this, in, in this, I guess, what will be my first fourth rewatch of the show uh, as I watch it with you guys. Yes, there is an argument to be made that he is not the best doctor at times. Uh, I'd argue that none of the Star Trek doctors are, are particularly good or demonstrate any kind of miraculous healing powers. But again, to concede uh, a, a point, yes, I don't think Bashir at times is the best doctor. And I do think that the first couple of seasons, he was uh, anything between intolerable to just kind of annoying. So there it is. The cover for the fact that he is this augmented individual. And might that be the reason why Bashir is the way he is? Could this be just my own headcanon explanation for why he only started to come around in these later seasons, perhaps. But I was going to throw out a plausible theory to sort of retcon Bashir and to make him better in retrospect based on the students from this episode. Dr. Bashir, I presume. I might put that forward. Um, is it Pinsoff? Yeah. Um, is it not necessarily canon? Yeah, 
that. Yes, that's absolutely correct. I don't think that Ronald D. Moore Iris even may have ever said that that was the reason <laughs> the issue was the way he is. But hey, that's how I'm uh, resolving this issue in my own head canon. And I just want to throw that at you guys. Perhaps you talked about it in this episode as a sort of uh, hand wave away. But um, hey, there it is. Dr. Bashir, not that bad because this whole time he's been pretending. Why not? Thank you, fellas. Is the fuckboy as a cover defense good enough for you? <laughs> um, I mean, if he said it was his headcanon, sure. I mean, I'm not going to argue with somebody's headcanon. I mean, if that's what he wants to think. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so yeah, if, yeah. That was, if that's what gets him, Warren, bless his heart, Warren's a really smart guy and knows his stuff so i'm not you know if that's what gets him through the his rewatch and what it makes it more palatable that's cool i i still think it's just uh an admission of guilt on the writer's part that they did such a poor job with him to begin with that they needed to change his character with only two seasons left in the whole damn series sure so yeah I just, I'm just glad, like, even if it isn't an admission of guilt, I'm just glad they admitted it <laughs> and tried to rectify it. I, I, I guess that I'm, I, as I said on the episode, I'm, I'm more mystified that it, uh, that it was so, uh, uh, like, of the moment to create this, this sort of, uh, this giant reveal about this character. Yeah. And so it, it is just from what we know, it now has to be completely in the realm of headcanon because no one had this in the plans. Like it was admittedly a last minute addition to the script. Sure. I mean, but if, and, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to critique anybody's headcanon. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm no, just kidding. I shouldn't, I shouldn't critique anyone's headcanon. I've learned a lesson, but, um, I think that it's like, you know, that knowing that it's not, it's hard it's hard for me to see it that way. Right. But, um, I think, I think you can, there's a, there's room for it to be more than headcanon just because they might've thought of a fix later. Doesn't mean that everything that happened before is headcanon necessarily. Mm -hmm. And, but also it does feel like they didn't, I mean, so you could say that the writers want to say that, yep, you're totally right. Warren, it was all a, Everything he did before was a cover. And I guess you can make that argument, but it doesn't feel like it actually plays out. Yeah, you almost have to. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know. Like, I really only remember one Bashir episode, one Bashir-centered episode going forward. Uh, maybe a couple, but, like, all involved in sort of the same plot line. Do they ever go back and sort of clean up, like, anything where it's like they recontextualize a former episode... You know, I don't know. Uh, Through the current knowledge, because that would help, you know? Like right. When you ret- I mean, it's re- it's a com- I've read comic books my whole life. It's a common thing to have retconning. Right. Um, so, like, like I've recently, like, like three or four years ago, I went and read every um, new X, like, the, the introduction of Wolverine and Storm and all the X-Men comic books all through. And I read them, like, as, you know, not as a kid. It's like a grown-ass adult. And you realize, like, how late in the game any of Wolverine's powers are defined. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, like, any of them. Like, from the healing factor on. And it's hard to go back and read those earlier comics. Ah, no, in the, in the panels, you know. But the when you retcon on the comic book, you get to, like, you know, the writers usually do a good job of going back and telling stories in a different context. And I don't know how you would 
do that with Bashir, but if they replayed some relationship as being different, or write another fucking pre-ganglionic nerve episode <laughs> uh, that deals with that shit, you know, and 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 recontextualizes that as him self-loathing or you know self self uh, destruction or something uh-huh. like that, which it was kind of played that way before, but you know, with clear like. I clearly didn't think it was fair if I won valedictorian or some shit like that. Right. Um, I mean, part that, of me wants to go back and watch that Bashir's brain with episode, but then part of me is like, why would I subject myself to that again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's just not there, and and we know why, but it it, it makes it hard for me to. I don't know. It may. It. it I'm not creative enough, uh, honestly, to 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 sort of make that work for me. And maybe that's a flaw myself. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to get like I like that sounded yeah. like that sounded like I was fishing yeah, for yeah. a compliment. Just fuck James, have more of an imagination. <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly fine oh. with myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> you dolt. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but that's clear. Uh, I'm just saying that like it does. It is a hindrance for me. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it's like I know you got an imagination. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about ZL and Garrick some more. Well, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Now I'm just being a, Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just poking being a dick. Poking poking bear. Alright. Uh what what else have we got? Alright, let's move it on to this. Thanks for the call, Warren. Alright. Uh segue. Oh shit. We have another we've got a voice of mail here from Warren from Seattle again. Ooh. Uh yeah. Let's see what this double, has to say. Warren's on the dot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so guys, Warren from Seattle here, making my first ever call in to a Discovery Home Companion. Um, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Um, as you guys know, based on the Twitter stages, I was a bit behind on uh, Star Trek Discovery. I, uh, let's say, acquired the show through uh, other means in the, the Paramount TV network, uh, all of them listed, of course, but uh, yeah. So it took me a little while to get caught up and to get through all of uh, the Discovery Home Companion episodes. But just, uh, you know, real quickly, and I, I think this is why I've been struggling to make this call because I, I'm kind of coming to terms with it myself, but this is not a good show. Um, it's an adequate show. It is, it, and I believe uh, James, he had said this early on in the show's run, if, if this were just any old space show, it might be fine, but this is a Star Trek show. And if we're going to take that baggage with it and our critiques of it, I... I'm having a hard time finding a lot of redeeming qualities about it. The characters aren't that good. Um, Giorgio was interesting for an episode, and they killed her. Um, the relationship between Anthony Rapp and uh, uh, and the guy from My So-Called Life, his boyfriend in the show, probably my favorite interaction relationship on the entire uh, run of Discovery. And as you guys said, they fridged uh, the boyfriend there in episode whatever the hell that was, five or six or whatever. So, yeah, they went ahead and uh, pissed in that serial. And just in general, the the characters don't seem to serve any function in the show vis-a-vis development or an expansion of the universe. They just seem to be there to sort of push this mystery box along, which by the end of the series, like, it wasn't really that great of a payoff. Okay, so it's from the new universe. Oh, shit. Um, Giorgio's back. Oh, my God. Didn't really care about her in the first place. This is a show that... And I think this is what it gets down to for me. It's, it's leading with its head and not with its heart. This isn't an earnest show that is taking its characters and its stories seriously 
insofar as it wants to develop either or to to make it a part of a, a bigger universe or a bigger world. This is, it feels to me like it wants to be Game of Thrones mistake. It's taking a bunch of notes in terms of what people, studio execs, think that people want to see and are cramming this into a Star Trek package. And it's just not good, and I think it comes through. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I felt bad for not being able to, to stay up with you guys the episodes were coming out and to, to kind of get feedback as it comes along. And, and, I, and listening to the episodes, there's been much better feedback than mine, and I think a lot of people have, have hit uh, the points a lot more soundly than I have. And, you know, props to Pluto, Blur, Pluto Burns, especially for his take, I think it was. Bucky with the good hair. That if we're going to go back into the, the memory of Star Trek fans, we're going to get into the nostalgia, why not go to TNG? The people who were watching the show grew up on that and not the original Star Trek. So, I mean, what are we even doing here in this timeline? And, oh, he's out of time. Ah. But it's, uh, it's, it's, yep. I was for a minute there when he said we were going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. I got, I got a flashback. <laughs> oh, like, I was like, no, trigger, trigger warning. <laughs> I don't, not just to the show, but to the, to the arguments about the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, well, I agree the, with him. It's fine. It's a fine based show, but it's not yeah. great. And, yeah, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think. I think that's where I, I mean, I ended up disappointed, but I think saying it's fine is for even being a basic star uh, space show is still being generous. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't want to have this argument. I, again. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm currently deep into watching a, what is right now? Like I, my, my wife is making me watch the 100, which is a sci-fi show that it comes on the CW network. Uh-huh. The pilot episode uh, used an Imagine Dragon song. <laughs> That's that kind of show. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's not it's not bad, and it's getting really good reviews in the fourth season. So, like from what I can tell, so like it, it's a show that gets better. My wife says it gets better. You got to get through this. I'm gonna have to. She said I'm gonna have to put up with a lot of your bullshit for the first season. And uh-huh. that's fine. Uh, but, like, it is, like, that being said, I, 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 I except for acting-wise, like, specifically acting-wise with Michelle Yell, Jason Isaac, uh, 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 Abe Sapien, like, without those, like, like I think, still, I think it's pretty, it, it's, it's on the same level, except it's got some better actors on it yeah. than the 100. Yeah, but, like uh, I think and, Murray Wiseman is pretty good. It's Tilly. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's. Fine. I mean the act, yeah. I don't have a lot of complaints about the actors. Uh, but uh, but the show itself, and I do. I I mean I, I yeah. In in hindsight, I find that uh, uh, lead uh, Michael lead, Burnham, Sonequa Martin uh, Green. Sonequa Martin Green is a little lifeless uh, for the show. I, uh, but, that's that's the thing. That's that's the thing that I've felt scared to say the whole show like she's really i thought i, I, I don't think, I, I thought she was doing really good work for what she was given i mean she's the, she i thought she was completely watchable and i think I, she i thought she again i, I thought I, she was fine that but she didn't blow me away like i thought problem, everybody right? like i and it was a taste thing i had other actors that i thought like i would have loved to see in that role and they may have been, oh, I mean, I, I think it's ultimately like, it's not so much a function of bad acting. You, so, are, I'm a, sorry, you said you did a rewatch? No, no, I'm trying to compare the 100 to, which is a, we keep talking about a normal sci-fi TV show and I feel, and I'm watching one right now. So I feel like I'm trying to make comparisons between that and the normal. Well, I, I got that, but I'm like, you, 
you said looking back on Just Sinequa Marcus. Reflecting looking on back, it. Reflecting back oh, on it. reflecting. It, so when you think back, you think that, that she was more of a problem, it, like looking back. Yes. I don't, I don't think she was a problem, but she didn't. Between her away. and the writing staff, they did not make that a compelling character. I don't know where the balance. I mean, it seems like you're argu- like we can argue over the weight between the it, performance and the and the, yeah, the yeah. character, uh, and, and and I don't and I don't know that. I mean, and she I didn't watch Walking Dead, so I've really never seen her in. Wasn't she Cuddy's daughter or something? She, yeah, she was fine in Walking Dead too. Like she was not bad, but so I'm not here to damn her. I don't know what it is that character in. This doesn't work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Mm. Well, we got we still have more. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad that Warren was here, and I missed Warren's voice too. That was like a, yeah, yeah. It was I, nice. I was half because Warren, 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 Warren is pretty. Uh, he's a Twitter attacker, and I expected to be attacked on Twitter at <laughs> point during the whole season. Maybe and, I'll, and, uh, we'll throw a mini sode out for a Discovery Home Companion yeah. since we had that. Uh, RSS feed just sitting there. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, we. Yeah. Well, well, no, well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, we'll 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 discuss. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not promising that we're going back to it in season two. I mean, I'll watch the show, but to get you guys on board, it's uh, <laughs> that's that's a Patreon goal, right? That is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a quick cutout, but I was going to think of it. Uh, Jack Ryan show just got renewed for his second season. Do you think there's a show where an act, a lead actor in a show didn't want it renewed for a second season <laughs> more than Jim did not want this show renewed? That was a TV show. They made it. It's still. I don't even think it's aired yeah. yet. It hasn't. An and now Damn. he's officially too big for the shit. Oh, that's why they they like were locking you down because your contract said you'd do a second season if you came up. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Talk about the female gaze. He's a guy that had to fucking get on some HGH. Oh, yeah. Well, he did that uh, a while ago to get in that Michael Bay uh, Hillary yeah. kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Well, oh, that was an aside. Uh, cutting back. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's see. We got a voicemail here from Tom from Cleveland. Oh, yes. Good evening, gentlemen. This is Tom from Cleveland. Uh, I would like to open my voicemail here with a song for James. Romulan lady, <laughs> from the moment I saw you, oh, getting shot by that brain. Uh, all right, just saw uh, Andy Erlison to Inferno's Light. Uh, I can disagree with you a little bit on the title. I like those two titles, Purgatory's Shadow by Inferno's Light, kind of showing going with that Dante idea of you are on a uh, a journey. You're heading up from heaven down to hell. You know you've, you've passed through purgatory and you're now heading into the, the hell of war. Uh, so I like the titles. I thought the titles were good. Obviously, phenomenal episodes. Great stuff. Uh, would like to see. Uh, not sure where this whole ZL thing is coming from. Uh, never got that they were intimate in any way. Uh, but that was a, a rare misdirect on James's part, but usually very observant. Uh, I, I, I disagree. That's, but really, this shows what makes the Dominion such a great organization. There's, there's just clear through line to victory. There's no honor. There's no posturing. There is simply we are going to take you out in the most efficient way possible. And unless you're right, unless you are very, very lucky, you're not going to make it out. And I have to imagine. 
that back in Why do you want me to be enemies with the Dominion? Why? Why? They're very smart. They like me. I don't know why I'm supposed to say bad things about the Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> Blaming all of our current state of affairs in this country on Deep Space Nine. How dare you, sir? No. <laughs> what if I Trump would be like, what are these fucking lizard people? I don't know. I feel like that would be like a take nightmare if I woke up at some point he gave an interview and he was like, I really like that Deep Space Nine. (laughs) (laughs) I would feel like that would have to like the the take like implosion that would be put upon us to like have opinions about this. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Would just strangle me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. it was good to hear from Tom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He Threw some water on your uh, Garrickens yell fucking. Yep. Another one, another <laughs> another person who, do, who doesn't I'm see just, it either. Again, I want to say I'm not into <laughs> the storyline. I just think they want you to be into it. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> What's next? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna. We've got. Well, since we had that, we got another. We got an email here for with the further uh, Romulan boner jam. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, uh, um, this is from a listener who sent us an email, not a uh, recording, called, Con- this is from Constantia, maybe I mispronounced it, but that's, that's what I'm reading, Constantia, uh, anyways, hey guys, y'all, well, James, in parentheses, sorry. <laughs> Asked for your sexy Romulans and didn't explicitly say that they had to be female. So I'm coming at you with Centurion Bokra from TNG's The Enemy or Botra. I don't know how. Okay, I need to look this up. Centurion Bokra. Uh, His name sounds like a vegetable, so it rhymes with okra, I'm assuming. His name rhymes with vegetable. He's strangely tall and lanky for a Romulan. Even those massive shoulders pads can't quite entirely disguise it. I was going to say, this, this isn't the one played by Marco Lima, is it? No, it's not. Uh, no, I guess the not. John, no. I'm looking yeah, at so his name sounds like a vegetable. He's tall and lanky for a Romulan. Uh, he has no sense of humor. And even though he's supposed to be a threat to Georgie for like half the episode, he kind of just comes off as a nerd. He is just oh. my type, basically. Oh, I remember this episode. I remember this episode <laughs> so much. They have to work together to get out of a thing. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, so, yeah. you, so you see the boner jam for that yeah. one? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am a, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a cis, I'm a cis <laughs> male. So, I, I, but the, the women work more for me. But I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I, mean about, I can't see why anybody would be. <laughs> no, 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 Sorry. no. There is something about the very severe, like features and i don't know i don't know what it is it's i like the haircut i like the i like the eyebrows um, right. i like both representations because there's the original series representation where they're a lot more like just actually conventionally sexy 
and then the TNG mm-hmm. remake where they got much more advanced foreheadery going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some goop on their forehead for yeah, yeah, TNG yeah. era. Me, Marina Sirtis is is hotter to me as a Romulan than as as normal. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Romulans. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's some interesting stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought everybody agreed that was like she's less sexy as but well, hey, no no you're into what you're into, I'm man. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a, I got a touch of the sub in me, and so uh, <laughs> uh, it right. seems like they, they can make that happen. <laughs> like, so, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, or anyway, keep up the great work and let James know that if he ever wants to go cruising for Romulans, mm-hmm. I can totally be his wing woman. Or yeah, or you. It just, I mean, like, I mean, surely you like, the, like, I bet, I bet all of our uh, listeners have some sort of weird attraction to some alien life form on Star Trek. So, so send yeah. It. Uh, yeah. What would my boner jam be? Oh, I'll have to think on it. Uh, Bajorans don't count. These got a little shit on their face. It's no, fine. Bajorans don't count. Half the time I don't I mean, even notice who's a Bajoran and who isn't on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Only weird aliens people. That was, they were, they were, char- they were character. They were designed as a character by Rick Berman taking, Michelle Forbes to the costume designer and saying, don't make her ugly. <laughs> right, right. Like that was, right. that was how they were designed. So yeah. 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 I could probably, I'd have to think about that. Oh no. And Orion's, be... and Orion's don't count either. That's too easy. Okay. Well, man, you're putting all these restrictions down. I know maybe Orion's count, but they're basically just green ladies. I'm going to like, can I say David Bowie's wife from Star Trek six or does that <laughs> Iman not count? Cause oh, yeah, it's Iman. Geez. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean that can't. I mean, whatever, whatever. You get, you guys she's, can count. Because <laughs> right, uh, yeah, that there we go. That's me. Because mm-hmm. um, she's got some weird shit on her face too. But she's also, I mean, yeah, scales too. Some weird feathery scales. Yeah, yeah. Oh but, yeah. You know, even when they look, make them look weird, they'll make them look sexy, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Iman is Iman is pretty hard to fuck up <laughs> yeah like tell you, oh what a weirdo you thought iman was hot like yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> grace joe if right. grace jones was uh like that would that would be like a little more piercing oh yeah oh i oh and also i mean like the the sexiest woman in all of star trek is that weird bald-headed woman from the motion picture oh v'ger yeah 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 oh yeah yeah v'ger. i have taken a vow not to copulate with a man like that's the first thing she says <laughs> Right. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's bald. She's a female incel. Uh, <laughs> she's taken uh, over by like uh, a, a, a god in the course of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a bit of a prude. Some people are prude. No, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, but she ends up boning yeah. the child molester, right? Yeah, that's uh, true. Belana Torres. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, <laughs> sorry. Belana Torres can get it too. Yeah. All right. So. Oh. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. She definitely is that, can. Is that is that it for? No. Oh. Oh uh, no. We we're we're all of my about, boner jams. Not gonna keep going. <laughs> we've we've got a we've got some um, thoughts here from Kristen. Oh, from uh, on Eddington's negative sex appeal. <laughs> this I'm interested. Very interested. <laughs> my thoughts for on the uniform because why not? Hello, Kickers of Elves. This is Kristen from Toronto again. I am catching up to where you are in the show, and I thought I would call in with my thoughts on For the Uniform, because who doesn't want to hear them? 
Yeah, so there's kind of two things I had to say. One is, um, this time around, I haven't watched this episode in a couple years, and this time around I noticed a sort of element that's missing but not missing of sexuality in the relationship between Cisco and Eddington, which is, is not missing in that it feels like it's present in the text, like... Um, Eddington says something to Cisco in the scene where he ambushes him at the refugee camp, like, did I say you could turn around or did I say you could look at me? And not to be TMI or anything, but that has a bit of a, a sexual overtone to me. Um, and there's also like in the final scene, Eddington says something like, I'll give you what you really want, me. And that should be sexy, but the way that it's missing is in the subtext and in the performance. And the actors do not go there like at all, even a tiny little bit. And I don't know if it's just that they don't have any chemistry with each other because Eddington has a sort of negative sex appeal. Like he's, well, I'm sure he's someone's type. I'm sure someone out there looks at a scrawny, balding, sticky out ears, middle-aged Canadian and is like, damn. But that is perhaps a fringe opinion. Um, I don't know if it's just their lack of chemistry or it's that um, they made a deliberate choice not to do that or ignore it. Or it was just not on the radar or what. But um, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but but interesting. Um, and the other thing that I really, really, really liked about it was how Cisco uses his understanding of psychology to defeat Eddington. It's so smart and insightful how they write it. The writers are just so good when they're good. Yeah. That he realizes that what Eddington wants isn't to win, but to feel right. And he gives him that and that's how he wins. And I'm just like, oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, even though Cisco has to like commit war crimes, which is, uh, yeah, not so good. But <laughs> anyway, um, that's it for me tonight. Peldar joy, assholes. Good night. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think like. Eddie, the the idea I, that Eddington would have negative sex appeal, it made that basically makes my night because. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think about it, and outside of being, I guess, relatively trim, almost to the point of being scrawny, so it's negative. I was like, he doesn't have a lot of. I mean, like, I don't know. My my mother in law says she loves bald male pattern baldness. I mean, I know that that's and that and she knows that's a minority uh, sort of thing. So, uh, a minority opinion, but yeah. Um, I I was trying to think of like uh like I mean Picard sexy as fuck right but well well I mean yeah but I mean he's compensating in other areas so um, <laughs> yeah. Such, yeah, Eddington's he's kind the Jim of... Abbott of sexiness. Um, sure, but uh, he—I guess like I'm trying to think back on like if if Cisco could have like electric sexual chemistry with another man as subtext, not as text. Uh, that would like I guess in the way that I guess the the thing that comes to mind is because Marvel movies are in my brain, but like Captain America and the Winter Soldier, <laughs> or Captain America right. and Iron Man, both have some form of like. Yeah, yeah, something else going on, like to to their to their to their issues, and that essentially uh, that civil war functions in subtext like a bad love like triangle, yeah, like, yeah collapse yeah. like at the end right. where everybody's like raw and very emotional and hurt and feelings are hurt, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that would give you been, what you want. Me is <laughs> come on, yeah, that would have been. Yeah, I, don't you want me? Crawl did not have that in him, <laughs> and and I, 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 another actor probably could have though, but I don't know who. 
Yeah. Cassandra I'm... Robinson also is Eddington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I... Because Andrew Robinson, in I mean, like, it's it's like, I, I don't, like, I, I, if you haven't seen Andrew Robinson in other things, you might think that, like, Andrew Robinson sounds and acts like Garrick. He doesn't in any way. No. No, no. He is, no. He, is Since a, he, built, he built a character. It is a full performance. And so, like, he could easily right. just build it in another way, but still. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, well, ever since you brought it up, I can't stop thinking about Eddington with Kelsey Grammer since they went to <laughs> Juilliard together or whatever. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure if I could if I could set some sexual like if if it were like Kelsey Grammer as the Star Trek captain that he played in the that one and then it's like, yes, you want me, don't you? And and Kelsey Grammer, like, yes, get over here. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to go write some fanfic right now. I'll say uh, that, like, one of the things that's occurred to me before, and I've never really wanted to say it, but while why, I'm not a world's biggest Frasier fan, but if you watch Frasier, him and Niles have a degree of sexual chemistry on that show that is weird. Well, yeah yeah never, well i mean I never there's saw that but i'm not gonna i never subtext. saw it's that. subtext it is not i'm not saying that you're not meant to i mean they're it. written as that writers there's full of like homoeroticism in fraser because mm-hmm. yeah they were having i mean is yeah yeah and yeah uh, yeah I, I it was just I, I think it's that they're they're comfortable with each other they're fussy with each other like they're brothers it's yeah, yeah brothers yeah, yeah. are the thing that throw that off for me because i don't have a brother and I know both of you do, but I don't have a brother. So, like, yeah. even when I watch, like, um, the HGTV's bro- Property Brothers, like, I think that they have, like, like especially, like, I watch that show when I'm stoned. And I'm like, these guys want to <laughs> fuck so bad. Like, <laughs> No, that's just, that's just, no. like, that's narcissism. They want to fuck them. I, fuck I know, that's they're, so weird. Like, they're, there's, yeah, like, man, as a guy who has a twin brother, it's fucking weirder to me. Trust me. <laughs> they can save on so But I don't, I've been around you, you and your brother your whole life and i've never thought that you guys had any degree of sexual chemistry whatsoever <laughs> we don't you <laughs> Thank guys, you. guys literally just don't up. you guys just are violent towards each other but wow, <laughs> but like property <laughs> brothers man they're uh it's weird it's more it's more uh it's more playful than yeah well it's because it's it's like when they get off on being twins and they get off on each other and they're getting off on themselves but they think of themselves as a unit i have a lot of opinions about twins and yet they never get off on the property (laughs) (laughs) well you can think of how much uh, therapy you could you clear through a lot of therapy by like working like, uh, me? <laughs> no, no, not you. Uh, you know, like a, a twin who finds himself in that situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> where narcissism compels him to be turned on by his brother. Yeah. Well, and then they're well. Yeah. Oh, oh man, this whole thing. This this is a whole other. This went off the rails. We need to. This get is all, yeah. Well, um, maybe we should wrap it up for the evening, guys. <laughs> thank you, Kristen. Yeah. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Kristen. That was. <laughs> You 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 found a way to talk about negative sexual uh, appeal, and we 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 took it even further. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you have any other questions about any of the stuff we discussed. Uh, I think that will cover it. I'm not right saying now. that the writers wanted you to think that Niall and Fraser would fuck each other. I'm just saying that that was a subtext. Oh, that it I'm seemed sure to me. you're going to get lots of. Oh, you're going to get this. Yeah, isn't my theory. Everybody's going to say that James is wrong. I don't think they're. Fuck each other. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think you're misreading Frasier. I'm not really. I'm saying too. that it's. But I'm gonna go ahead and. That it's a, I'm just yeah. saying you can think whatever you but want you, about okay, it. Okay. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that with that with Civil War that there was like a? It was like a I mean, weird. I, I agree that you could see it. <laughs> you went back to your old girlfriend, but you've spent so much time with me, <laughs> and everybody's crying and shit. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap this bitch up, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for listening to the voicemails component of our show. <laughs> uh, please join us again next week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, right. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. I forgot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, give us a call at 917-408-3898 uh, to discuss any of the shit that we talked about. If you need to correct us or give us your boner jams, man, and women. Uh, <laughs> or send us an email at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com and check us out on Patreon for other stuff when we go off the rails about not Star Trek things and hear all our thoughts about that mm-hmm. so much. You can find out what specifically by checking it out. Patreon.com slash kickers of elves. And yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of the rules of acquisition for Wade, James and myself three to beam out. Boop. I can't get enough of this Francis McDormand. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you because one day they hope to sell you blue apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.